Are you ready? Because it's time to go lead everything. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Go Lead Everything podcast. I'm your host, Phil Swanson, and today I have a very special guest. We have the matriarch of the Swanson family, my grandmother, Loyette Swanson. Welcome to the show, Grandma. Thank you, Phil. It's great to be with you. So thrilled to have you on the show. We've had an opportunity over many, many years to have a lot of fun at family reunions and all sorts of things. So I'm excited to see where this conversation goes today. But why don't you start off by letting everybody know a little bit about you and where you're from, your family, and how you became a grandmother and now a great-grandmother. Oh, gosh, you're asking for a lot. Okay. Well, I was, I'm from Marion, Kansas, and I was born in Abilene. I lived there most of my life in Marion until I, you know, went away to college. And I had five brothers and no sisters, and I was the fifth one in the family. You had five brothers, so that must have been fun growing up with five brothers. <laughs> it was, right? They were all great guys. They're all deceased now, and I'm 89 years old, approaching the big 90. My early life was just in a small town, and I raised rabbits during the war, during the Second World War. Oh, wow. And I had, I named them, and And then you had to eat them. Then I had to eat them. We ate our rabbits. How old were you when you were raising rabbits? Oh, let's see. I was... 10. Oh my goodness. Wow. Old. I think about that. That's so crazy. Now thinking about your generation and how different I, you know, I feel very blessed. Like we haven't had to go through a draft. We haven't had to go through, I mean, we've had these wars, but you know, there's many young men and women that go serve and, and I'm thankful to God for them. But you know, I feel very fortunate that we haven't, you know, we basically been through what I would refer to as a fairly timid time for young children in, in America compared to what, what y'all had to go through. I mean, I can't, you know, you're raising rabbits and war and kids are getting drafted. I had four, four brothers in the world, second world war. And then my uh, little brother was in the Navy later. Uh-huh. I think the war was over. He was in Korea. Oh, he was. Yeah. My younger brother was in Korea. Mm-hmm. We had one of those flags in the window, you know, with four, stars uh-huh. telling the whole world that my brothers were in the war. Wow. Mother wore a pin, you know, that had mm-hmm. their stars on it. My oldest brother was a colonel and flew airplanes, dive bombing. That was his job. They wow. had lots of stories to tell. So you're very musical, Grandma. Obviously, you and Ken both and raised a musical family as well. And, and I'm from a musical family. My parents, how did you get into music? What, what, what was the timing of your musical career? And, and tell us a little about how music's kind of shaped, shaped you and, and your career. My mother and dad were married in Kansas City, Missouri. My grandpa Holler was a, a minister, Methodist minister, and they both sang in the choir. That's where they met at church. Then when they got married, they moved to Marion, Kansas, and mother taught piano. She was a piano teacher. That was what her, you know, her main career when she was growing up. 
Of course, she gave some piano lessons even when we lived in Abilene. I was three. Mm-hmm. I can remember we moved and she had piano students. You learned from her? Yes, I did. When I got, well, maybe in grade school, I took from another lady. We had uh-huh. a, a piano teacher not, that lived pretty close to us. And I always had piano lessons from five years old. I started at five. Of course, in school, I sang more than played the piano. I remember um, hearing stories about your opera singing and, and singing for Carl to come in and eat dinner. Oh, oh gosh. Those boys gave me a pretty hard time. Most, most of the time, they were nice to me. But lots of, of time. times, they took advantage of me, uh-huh. giving me pennies to wash the dishes and stuff like that. And I, I thought that was wonderful. Oh, how I um, became a music teacher. Would you like to hear that story? Please, yeah, tell us. <laughs> okay, well, um, I wanted to be a secretary. That's all I wanted to be ever. And um, my mother didn't get to go to college. She wanted to desperately. And her mother and dad said that they couldn't afford it. And so it was very important to her that I had the opportunity. I didn't really want to go to college, but I told her I would go one year. And she said, okay, if you don't like it, then you don't have to continue. But promise me you'll go for a year. I went to KU. KU, my brothers didn't want me to go to K-State or K-Kansas University, but I did, I went to KU anyway one year. And so at the summer after my first year, I was all set to go to a secretarial school. My girlfriend went to K-State and I was at KU. She fell in love her first year. She wanted, her boyfriend lived in New Jersey, and this is, she was just a freshman and a single child, and so she wanted me to go with her. She got us jobs at a resort on Nantucket. She was going to work in the rest, in this big, fabulous hotel, and we both waited, got jobs there and waited tables. They found out that I was a singer. They asked me, to sing in the bar at night oh, wow. after, we wait, after we cleaned up our tables, you know, and got the, everything set for the next day. And so I, I thought that was great fun. I waited on a doctor. We, we had the people at our tables for the whole time they were there. Like if they were going to be a two weeks on Nantucket, mm-hmm. I would be their waitress oh, morning, wow. noon, and night. And then we got one big tip when they left. One of my customers was a a doctor and he loved to hear me sing. He came in the bar every night after I was through waiting tables and um, he said, I think you have an outstanding voice. And he said, I would like to help you. He made an appointment with his patient in New York City. who was an outstanding uh, opera singer. And uh, he said, if I get him to hear you and he tells you you have talent, outstanding talent, I would like for you to be able to go and sing for him. So he set that up for me. And I went into, on my way home from, to Kansas from New York, um, I went to the Dr. DeLuca 
Giuseppe De Luca. Mm -hmm. He was world famous. And he, I went to his apartment and sang for him. And I had always been the second soprano because I could read music. But when I sang for him, this voice came out of me. <laughs> I didn't even know I had because I had never sung that high. I've been singing for contests and things, you know, as a second soprano. And he, he was quite impressed with my voice. And he said, you could do anything you want to with your voice, but you lack the determination. Wow. Parents couldn't afford to keep me there. And he said, well, if you go back to Kansas, you'll never come to New York again. He said, you, you must stay here. And I said, I can't, but I will change my major. I will go on to college and I will major in music. Wow. And I promised him. So when I got back to Wichita, I went back to school. I had a heck of a time even getting a place to stay. And I had to tell all this story to the voice teacher because the one I wanted, he was already booked up. But after I told him I'd son for Giuseppe De Luca, <laughs> he put me on his schedule. Right. And I was a music major from then. Right. And then I decided, you know, I didn't really want to teach, but I didn't, I had to make a living. Oh, sure. You know, so that, that's how I became a music That's teacher. an amazing story, Grandma. I, I, it resonates with me because you basically put yourself out there singing in this restaurant and this opportunity just kind of found you. And I think a lot of people are going through that now and, and I'm going through it kind of putting out this podcast and sharing some content. Unless you, you put yourself out there and are willing to put yourself in those uncomfortable situations, you don't even know what possibilities are out there. And you find this awesome opportunity came up. You got to sing for this awesome musical uh, renowned person. And they gave you feedback that it literally changed the course of your life, would you say? It did. It definitely did because I didn't want to be a teacher. That was, one of the, that was the only thing for music people to do in those days. Sure. And um, so I was always very thankful that I went through that. Yeah, that's amazing. So talk a little bit about when you met Ken and Grandpa. Grandpa. Oh, well, he, Ken was uh, on a scholarship. He, he was raised in Michigan City, Indiana. And his, he did, his parents didn't have any music talent that they knew of, but his band director, the band director met Ken and had put him on an instrument, put him on tuba. He needed a tuba player and Ken was big. It's those and, big Swanson lips. I have the same, yeah, the same he problem. Had those big lips. Mm -hmm. And so his band director was very famous and he was on the scholarship from his high school and he, he put himself through school. He, he had a good scholarship, but you know, you have to pay room and board and other things too. Right, right, right. He played the tuba and the string bass. He used to ride his bicycle and carried his string bass on it. They said he was, you know, he didn't have a car. His folks didn't even have a car. Nobody in his family had ever been to college or anything, but his band director takes the credit for Ken's talent. He encouraged him and he played his, made his way through college. Anyway, I met him in college and he was a good singer in addition to a 
playing tuba and string bass. We were in choir. Uh-oh. Our director put us soprano, alto, tenor, bass. So I was <laughs> the kin. And he used to hold my hand in rehearsal. He was two years ahead of me. He had a girlfriend. And so when he was ready to graduate, he, I had never dated him, but my mother said, why don't you ever date a musician? I said, you're always going with football players and sports people. And I said, oh, there's only two in the whole music department I would even consider. And one was married. Ken was ready to get a job teaching. Ken said, can you, let's say, go for a Coke after choir. So we went for Coke and he said, I've applied for a job in Marion, Kansas. And he said, I want you to tell me all about it. <laughs> and so, so I hadn't dated him or anything. We just had a Coke. Mm-hmm. And so I told him all the nice things about Marion, Kansas, and he got the job. Oh wow! And so when, um, I went back to Nantucket the second year, the second summer, to wait tables again. And I wasn't at home. Ken came, he had to be at the Marion at, for the band rehearsals in August. Mm-hmm. And he came to my house and I was in Nantucket and I hadn't told him I wasn't going to be there. Oh, so he visited my parents that whole month of August. They, they were the only people he knew. And, um, and the kids in band were, you know, all, all crazy about him. But anyway, when I came back from Nantucket, well, he he knew my family really well. <laughs> and I was surprised. But anyway, that's how we met. And he got the job. And then I went ahead and finished. Oh, he, he joined the Marines. He was in the Korean War, Ken was. Ken was in so the Korean when he, War. So when he got out, of the war of the service and we began dating he was teaching it he he was out of the marines and he was teaching in my hometown and we got married there ken was in the marine corps band in california and that's that was what he did while he was in the service awesome i've got this great picture of ken that i I can't believe that I missed it. If this was in your house somewhere, I, I can't believe I missed it growing up. But I actually saw it, I think, for the first time at Ken's funeral. And I'll turn it around. I don't know if you can see it very well. <laughs> but yes. I absolutely love this picture of Grandpa Swanson, Ken, playing the string bass. Do you remember this picture? Oh, I do. What's the yeah. history on oh, that? He probably doesn't know, Philip, but... Um that our dad told us that was a promotional for a band that he played in in uh, when he was in Wichita it was a, a kind of a professional dance band uh-huh. and they would go all all around the midwest playing jobs oh wow and so that that was a um, a commercial photography oh, to okay. promote the band a super cool picture really cool shadow and lighting and and uh, I thought that was I cool. Didn't know where that I never saw Grandpa was. looking like that before. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about married life, into having children. Obviously, Chris, love that we get to chat with you too. My father, Carl, Eric. Tell us about your kids and your life as a mother in Springfield. The reason we were in Springfield, uh, we were both teaching in Marion, Kansas, my hometown. And we decided we wanted to be in a larger school system. 
in Marion, sometimes they just fired people for no reason. There was no tenure, you know, or anything. We were married and teaching in Marion, and we went, decided to go on our vacation to the Ozarks. And um, oh, I, we both just thought this is the most beautiful area after living in Kansas. It was like going to heaven. Definitely better than Kansas. <laughs> anyway, we applied for jobs here. And um, I was wanting to start a family. And we were, the whole school board, they were all men, were interviewing us. And the superintendent of the school said, now, do you want to be a, a do you want to teach here? And I, I didn't know what to say because I wanted to be pregnant. I thought I was pregnant. Anyway, Ken said, she wants to be a mother. And so Willard Graff, the superintendent, said, whenever you get ready to teach, give me a call and you'll have a job. Wow. And so that 11 years later, I had my three children and I called on a Feb February 14th. It was Valentine's Day and told them I was ready to teach next year. Happy Valentine's Day. And he said, can you start now? <laughs> he said, can you start now? Oh, wow. And I said, well... Uh, I could, and so they got some money from the government some way to hire another music teacher. They only had two, and then I was the third one to ever be hired, wow. and I didn't even have to wait for it. I like He said, can you start on Monday? We just got some funding, and I said, yes, and so I taught then the rest of our kids' school days, but after they all, Carl got in first grade, then I called and told them, I was ready. And I love teaching every day of it. And well, I helped with a lot of things. One church called me and wanted me to start a choir, Kingsway Methodist Church, one of the big churches. It was just brand new. They didn't have a choir director. And he said, we don't have any money, but we need a choir director. And I was a Methodist and I was going to a Methodist church. Mm -hmm. So I went ahead and said, I, I'll, I'll do your choir. I, I don't need to be paid. So I did the choir. I started a church choir and uh, I ended up being there for 10 years. Wow. And we had a great choir. I did all that while I raised the kids. I didn't teach, but I had a choir. And I had like two junior choirs and an adult choir. And I think their choir right now is probably, they, they only had about 150 members. So it, it was really starting from scratch, but I loved it. The people were wonderful. What made you want to do that, uh, especially without getting paid? And, and how did you go about building a choir from scratch? They had a few people that I knew were musical. And I just visited with different people and talked friends to come. And when I did a cantata, I had people from the symphony that I knew were musical and maybe weren't going to church any place. And we're just got around. And then I had two, two junior choirs and I wanted them to sing. The minister and I had trouble, but he was starting a new church. It was a brand new church. And he wanted everything done just exactly his way. He didn't want the children singing. Ever. I want to alternate my two youth choirs, you know, so they could each sing at least twice a month. And he wouldn't let me. He said, 
no, I want the adult choir to sing at, at the early, both services. And I said, no, I won't do that because it'll destroy my quality of my choir. You know, I want the children and they needed experience. We had something to work for, you know, so that they could show off and worship God and, and with music. And he wouldn't agree with me. And he said, well, then you, you have to do it. And I said, I, I won't because I, it, I don't believe in that. Good for you. And he got really mad and he said, well, then you're being fired. And I said, okay. And I, I left the church. Wow. I was kicked out of the church. And it, it upset the church. They lost members and everything. But I wasn't angry at him. Or, you know, I wrote the choir a letter and Ken was singing in the choir. The kids were baptized in that church. It was a big decision to, oh, yeah. you know, but I didn't really have a choice. I didn't have a choice. Well, it's tough when, you, when you're when anyway. conflicted with that and you, you have such strong feelings that this is the right way to do something and, and uh, good for I you know. for not compromising <laughs> your desire and, and uh, motivation to really help those children learn to sing and, and learn to praise God with their voices. Right. That's awesome. Right. So let's talk a little bit, Grandma, about family reunions because most of the time that I spent with the Swanson family was at family reunions. What's your perspective on the importance of those traditions, those family reunions? When I think of them, I remember coffee cake. I remember snickerdoodles. I remember the boat with grandpa. I remember learning how to ski, water ski, you know, the Ozarks. It's just, you know, such a cool tradition to go to the Ozarks every year. And our Swanson families continued that tradition on. I know. Um, I'm so glad that you can have So talk, talk a little bit about how that started. How'd you, how'd you, I know you love the Ozarks. How'd you get on the lake? What, what's, what sparked all that to start? Or was well, that we long before the Swansons? Is that a holler tradition? My brothers were a bunch of fun guys. My brother, he was my third brother, lived in Wichita, and he was a geologist, and he had a boat. He bought a boat, and so that meant that we all were going to learn to ski. Ken, my husband, and my brothers went to the lake. I cooked all the food, planned the menus, got everything ready, and... They had a wonderful time. I didn't get to stay. It was a guy thing. My grandma, Holler, was alive at the time. And so all her sons would come to the Ozarks to ski and be at Table Rock Lake. And they would come and visit their mother, who lived in Springfield at the time. Mom, Loy, and Grandma Holler would sometimes go down. And oh, we all went down because we had the food. Yeah. So I, I planned all the menus and took prepared everything for them, you know. Grandma Holler was alive when they started that. And so that was kind of neat that they all came to Missouri and they got to, you know, play on the lake and then see their mom. Yeah. For and that's sure. kind of how, how all that started. That's right. I'd for, almost forgotten all that, wow. but that's how the reunion started. And so they finally let some women come. <laughs> so I think it's really cool because I've heard my mom does Mary Kay Cosmetics and she had a, one of her senior directors, they get their family together every year. And she made a comment one uh -huh. time that if you want to get your family 
to go on vacation with you. It's really easy. You just pay for it and they'll all come. <laughs> and uh, right. so I think about that when, you know, I think about all the work y'all did to make meals and make it, you know, make those things, those events special and plan those things. It's a lot of work. What, what really drove you to do that? And, and I think it's a great example of, of servant leadership and really, really sacrificing to, to get your family together. Well, I just loved having my family together. You know, I still do. I still go to those. They're having one this August. It's interesting that last year I skied until I was 70. And I told Chris's boys, I said, this is the last time you're going to see me ski. Because I think when you get older, you should not be doing dangerous things. <laughs> and so. You skied until you were 70? Uh huh. And I never got my hair wet. Oh and they my said. Goodness. Grandma, we want to see you get your hair wet. <laughs> I had, I could not get my hair wet because it was a tradition that Grandma could ski oh, without getting goodness. her hair wet. <laughs> so anyway, that we we had lots of fun things. We did a talent show. Everybody had to be something special, all dressed up real crazy, and mm -hmm. we had skits. So anyway, I have albums of every one of those who was there and what we mm. did for entertainment, what food we had. I had a whole big file from the reunions kept every year. I had every one of them detailed and wow. what, what we had to eat and everything, who all came and everything. It was work. It was work, oh, yeah. but it was worth it. And it, we lo everybody looked forward to it. We had it on the calendar like you do now, but now they pretty much do boating, skiing, mm -hmm. uh, swimming, you know, I don't, you don't have to plan the entertainment anymore. Right. You, you may have to, because you've got some little kids that are going to be coming up and they're going to want to do that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So the file cabinets and keeping all these records, you reminded me of grandpa and his jokes and his files upon files <laughs> of jokes. Talk a little bit right. about how grandpa used humor. He loved telling jokes and he had a great collection of them. And people even now remember him. You know, he played in the Springfield Symphony till he retired. People will remember his jokes. You know, it's, it's kind of fun. Yeah. I couldn't remember a joke, but boy, he could. <laughs> I'm not very good at it either. I'm, I'm super impressed with, I, I have kind of a fascination for comedians and stand-up comedians and people that are really good at remembering jokes and telling jokes. And I think it's fascinating. I think a lot of good leaders and, and communicators in general are really good at setting up and creating an environment where, where people can receive the message and are really good at kind of setting it up and preparing people and getting them to laugh and loosen up and receive, you know, whatever message they have to share. So I remember grandpa's jokes fondly. He'd always pull out a list every time he <laughs> saw us and hand us a list of jokes. <laughs> oh gosh, that's great. One thing that I wanted to mention to you is I had a pen pal and she lived in England, and I got her name off of the Junior Colastic Magazine. And we were pen pals for 50 years. Wow. And she lived in England, and we visited her three, three different times. And when we walked in, her, they were our age exactly. Her husband was, I think we had just Ken. They had two boys. 
no girls. She came over here and brought a friend. Her husband didn't fly, but um, she brought a friend and we took her to the Ozarks and we had a really great visit. And when she got off the airplane, it was just like my sister. I mean, I had known her for so long, mm-hmm. you know, that I think it was important to do that. And when we went to see the, her, we stayed at her house. Those experiences with them were wonderful. We met their friends. You had another group of really good friends that you've stayed in touch with for a lot of years, didn't you? A group of girlfriends, maybe? Oh, yeah. Talk a little Mm -hmm. bit about that group of friends and how important it is to have that close group. Well, my college friends, there were nine that stayed as pen pals for 50 years. We would meet like uh, on Nantucket or Florida. Yeah, I think it's so cool. Nowadays with technology, I think about all the work you had to do to stay in touch and write letters and plan events. And now with technology, we can just send a Zoom invite and talk to 50 people all over the planet. You know, it's it's absolutely right. incredible, right? It is. All these groups that I belong to have red, round robins <laughs> because that, we couldn't keep in touch like you guys do. And so I made a list and then I would put everybody's name and address on it and mail it. We tried to get it around a couple times a year. It didn't always work. But I had Round Robins with He doesn't know what that is. Tell him. Well, it's a, a letter that you, you add to. Each person Everybody adds. adds to one a new letter and takes your old one out. And then you read them. You get a there, there might be seven letters all in one package. So you've got the list of names and you just send it to the next person? Uh-huh. Oh, wow. Right. Cool. And I had that. I had three different Ryan Robins. And we look forward to Actually, there's, uh, well, there's just two of us left out of my Marion High School friends. But uh-huh. we call now, you know, now. Yeah. We, the two of us call the uh, girls that, that were at KU, even though I was only there one year, we had a round robin and all of us wrote in it until just maybe three years ago, until yeah. everybody died. It's a, it was a fun way to keep in touch. Well, I'm curious. We, we've hit a lot, Grandma, on friends. And I think it's super important that your your network really shapes your mentality. And people always say, you know, you become who you hang around or, you know, you're the average of the five people that influence you the most. And, you know, I think it's so important to keep close relationships, but really be purposeful in, in who you choose to spend your time with and time on. And um, right. I'd ask you, you know, we got this awesome technology today. Who knows who's going to see this in the future? If you could talk to your great, 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 great grandson or daughter, what would you say to them? Oh, I would say that it's very important to your family to keep in touch with each person, even if it's just a Christmas card, write on it. It, t- it takes your time and energy and expense. You know, you have gifts and things to send, but it, it's so important. I'm just a family lover and I treasure the times that we get together. It makes me very sad to lose any of them, but that's part of living. Mm-hmm. And I'm very thrilled to be a part of this. I'm 
I couldn't imagine when you called that I would have anything to contribute, but it's been fun. It has been fun. And thank you, Grandma, for coming on the show. And, and I regret not being more in touch with you over the years and, and some of our family as well. So I think your advice is well received. And, and uh, I know it's easy for us young people to get wrapped up in our day to day. You know, in this technology world, there's really no excuse not to stay in touch with family. Before we go, you've done a lot of world traveling. I want to know how traveling around the world has changed your perspective from Marion, Kansas and the Ozarks. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh God. Luckily I married a guy that loved to travel. We'd always, well, we, you know, even had a trailer with, with a pin on it to travel because we couldn't afford motels after the kids got, so we had to pay for motels. And I think we went, to every state but North Dakota oh, wow. and camped out. This is when, I, when we were in high school. And the kids were in high school uh -huh. and uh, we, we couldn't afford, you know, to go in motels. And so we just went camping and I loved it because I'd never been camping ever. But um, because of necessity financially you know school teachers don't make that much money but we had vacations and it was great and phil let me just tell you real quick um one of these one of these trips we went from missouri to tijuana mexico all the way up the coast of california oregon and washington up to canada oh my and goodness. then back to missouri we were gone about seven weeks. seven weeks. Seven Ooh. weeks. And That's awesome. You, uh, and then we, I don't remember one fuss or fight. The kids were always so good. We're very, we're very strict with our children, but um, we both agreed. And even though sometimes I didn't really approve of what Ken was saying to them, I kept my mouth shut. <laughs> And I think that's part of being a happy marriage, have to stay together and be consistent with the, the discipline of them. Yeah. I don't know if I believe that there was never a fuss between your kids. I don't, I don't know if I buy that one. <laughs> Not one that I I hear had Chris laughing. <laughs> so where all did you travel internationally? I know you went a lot of places outside North America as well. Yeah, well, we went on mainly in the States with the children. But after they were gone, we did road Scholar programs. Those are for seniors. We did probably 21 of those mm -hmm. around the different countries and things. I think right now is such an interesting time because, oh, at least before this COVID-19 business, travel is extremely affordable. And there's so many options, like you said, hotels, there's so many options for low cost travel and room accommodations these days. It's really incredible how you can travel around the world on a budget. That's something that my wife and I have experienced. How going and seeing some of these places just completely changes your perspective on the world. It does. It does. It really does. Thank you again for having me do this. I've enjoyed it so much. And oh, I, know, I enjoyed it I know too. you're going to have fun with your new babies and enjoy traveling with them. Yeah, for those <laughs> that don't know, we're expecting a baby girl in October. So grandma great, <laughs> great grandma here is going to be another great grandma once over. 
thank you so much for coming on the show. I love you so much. Oh, and yes. you've, you've really well, influenced you. many, many people in this family. We all love you. And well, we That's look forward to seeing you again soon. Okay. Thank you. Love you, Chris. Grandma. And thank you, Chris. If you enjoyed today's show, give it a five-star rating, follow, subscribe, and head on over to GoLeadEverything.com to learn more about the Go Lead Everything movement. For more great content daily, follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at RealPhilSwanson, Facebook and LinkedIn at PhilipSwanson, and for videos of these episodes and other great video content daily, subscribe to the Philip Swanson channel on YouTube. That's Philip with one L like the Bible. Now go lead everything.